Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. State of the Empire is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. And is brought to you in part by Consequences Sound, the web's foremost source of music, film news, reviews, and insights. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. This is Sam Witwer, and you are listening to Nerdy Show. Welcome to State of the Empire, Nerdy Show's Star Wars speculation podcast, where we look for news in all Duran places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Matt. Guys, it's been a while, and we're sorry that it's been so long. The uh, last thing you heard from us was our Willow Watch special, mm-hmm. which was obviously um, a, a tremendous moment for all of us. Big deal, yeah. A lot of fun. But the last State of the Empire episode we did was the recording we did just after having seen The Force Awakens well, for the first time. wasn't just after. It was more like... Okay, it was just a ju- few hours. <laughs> it was just after for Matt and Rex. Yeah. And for you and I it was in the middle of the goddamn night. Yeah, I was delirious of like trying to remember, did I did I just did I really see the movie? <laughs> did I just make it up in my head? I can't I'm hungry. Well, Where am I? Well <laughs> but now it's been months. Indeed. And we've seen it multiple times. And Matt, you've seen it, I believe, in every conceivable format. I it, it certainly feels that way. I actually got to see it uh, two nights ago in 35 millimeter, like projected via film. And uh, like, I, I have to say, I I, I kind of rag on J.J. Abrams a lot, like sometimes deservedly, sometimes most of the time not that he's just like a good impressionist. And and. You know, Force Awakens is kind of that way. It's like, oh yeah, you did some things to really make me kind of, you know, it, it looks like a set. But on film, the sets and and camera work and everything else. I mean, he really did make an '80s adventure film. Like, I, it really deserves somehow to be seen on film. I don't know how that's ever going to be possible. And the Lucasfilm like rep at the screening actually said that it'll be the last time it's viewed this way for a long time. And that we're among dozens that have gotten to see it like this. So that was, I mean, it was awesome. They even had a uh, a film uh, like countdown in the beginning. It counted down from seven to one using all the Roman numerals of the previous films, and had like an old style Bad Robot logo and Lucasfilm, and it was it was really cool. But it's it's much darker, and it doesn't look so like forced <laughs> into looking like a New Hope. It's just like it does look like a new hope like it's 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 really amazing stuff so when a lot more props to 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 jj and the team that's for starters really neat but for seconders how many times have you seen the movie um that was my i want to say seventh viewing so rex beat me 
Like, I think unless I go see it in the theater, like one more time before the Blu-ray comes out, I think he, he beat me eight to seven, but yeah, I saw it, uh, Cinerama dome, Chinese theater, uh, 35 millimeter, um, 2d, uh, screenings, I think three times and, oh, and 40 X, which oh, was nice. freaking amazing. Like, tell us about that, that one. Like, how, what do uh, they do? If you're not familiar with 40 X, 40 X is essentially imagine a 4d theme park experience with uh light and sound directional wind vibrational seats and all that and imagine it's better done than any theme park you've See, ever been and, to yeah and and right now there's a bunch of people like anyone listening to like oh it's like d-box no shut the fuck up it's better <laughs> no, yeah d-box. d-box is not there's nothing compared to 4 yeah, so d-box just wants you to think that like every road in the world is a gravel road no <laughs> like this is these are like accurate precise like i, I saw uh expendables 3 in 40x and somehow it makes every movie better no matter how bad it is but oh, like sure, in yeah. expendables 3 there's like a stabbing in the back and they actually like have like a particular like lumbar thing that like stabs right into the same spot that the person and he's like holding the knife and then they don't <laughs> pull it out until the character pulls the knife out like it was, it's, it's but so force awakens like precision to like all the the camera movements and then like the light speed jump and and uh particularly when when poe and uh ray are being uh, force interrogated, violated by Kylo. Like it's so freaking intense. And then the, when, when Ray like is forced to pass out when like Kylo kind of just makes her pass out and she does that sort of like kind of S shaped fall, like your seat does that exact same, like fall into Kylo's arms. Like, Oh, <laughs> it's, it was amazing. And so, perfect. so wait, wait, when they're being interrogated, the seat just vibrates or like what happens? Well, seat vibrates and also just like throws you back, just like Poe gets thrown back. Oh. Like, I mean, it's just it, it's very, very. It, it is a magical thing, and there's only yeah. there's only two theaters in America that have this. So, uh, if you're in LA, awesome. And if you're somewhere in um, Illinois that's not Chicago, awesome. Also, <laughs> good for you. Uh, yeah, man. Okay, so in this episode, we're not only going to talk about. Force Awakens months after the fact. We're also going to talk about, obviously, the latest news and rumors coming out of um, Episode Eight, and, uh, well, Rogue One. Everything we know about Rogue One, which is almost nothing, but we do have some stuff. And uh, for those of you who've never listened to us before, hey, never fear. We're not here to spoil stuff for you. We have the Blast Doors, and we will open the Blast Doors when it's time for us to talk about that, and you guys can... Check back in later after <laughs> after the respective Star Wars projects of the day have resolved themselves and released in theaters and see whether we were right or wrong. So we're going to be talking about all that stuff, the latest happenings in Rebels, the comic books, everything, and uh, and you'll be safe behind the blast doors um, if you want it. Anyhow, it has been a while since we've been on here, so let's talk about our reactions to Episode 7 months after the fact. Now, I am, I've unfortunately only seen the film the one time run this network, keep a busy schedule. And it's not for lack of trying, but it didn't happen. Um, but in in the time since then, I really, I really want to see it again. And uh, not just because I love Star Wars, but because um, I have soured to some things. And uh, the more I thought about the film, having seen it and, and our discussion in that last State of the Empire episode, I was bothered by the pace of the film. Like, the breakneck pace, I know that it went through a bunch of different edits, a bunch of different cuts, and that they left a lot on the cutting room floor, at least 30 minutes. And in my mind, if those 30 minutes had only been in the movie, and not just because those 30 minutes included our dearly beloved 
and dearly departed Constable Zuvio. Oh, get over it already. <laughs> um, not just because of that, but also the snow speeder chase and a bunch of other shit that we're not, you know, that that is being released on the forthcoming Blu-ray well, as deleted scenes. Yeah. I feel that it would have, ex- including that material, would have helped the film have less of a breakneck pace. And I know there's plenty of things that don't constitute deleted scenes as well that we're probably never going to see. So we'll never have the fan edit that we might, you know, want to have a, an extended cut of the film. Little moments to help the scenes breathe more and include some expository dialogue that would be needed to explain things like why the hell R2 wakes up suddenly out of nowhere. And we have a no prize explanation from JJ and Pablo Hidalgo and the author of the novelization, but uh, it's just, it's just not, it's not enough. And so while I really enjoyed the film and that hasn't changed, there's still a part of me just wishes that that full cut of the movie, they'd had the the balls to be like, no, we're going to go in. Everybody wants to see Star Wars, so we're going to give them this sprawling Star Wars thing. And they made, they made what they needed to make. But it, it's, and it's, so, it's so similar to A New Hope in every way, save the pacing. And I think they may have actually filmed enough that it would have that same pacing. Well, I mean, I've seen it at least three times in theaters. And I've grown to enjoy it more and more with each successive viewing. And I don't know if it's because I just got used to the pacing because I knew what was happening next. But while the pacing did seem like really rushed that first time around, I just sort of sunk into it. And it's just sort of just sort of works now. Again, I don't know if this is just because I've seen it a couple times, but I, I'm I'm on the opposite side of the fence where I think if you reinserted those deleted scenes, you would be complaining that the movie feels bloated. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, Snow Speeder Chase would be really cool, but it just gets them from point A to point B back to the Falcon or in those woods where they fight Kylo Ren. And we would be sitting here complaining, you know what? It was a little long. They just trimmed a couple more minutes like that snow speeder chase. I mean, it was cool, but you know, we didn't really need it. They just ended up fighting Kylo Ren. So I don't know. I think uh, it showed um, a lot of uh, thought on their part to cut those scenes, keep it trim. And I would rather it move at a breakneck speed where there's a couple things where I don't quite understand because it moves so fast rather than risk it being an overbloated, you know, mess that uh, ultimately has scenes that that they could afford to cut. And on the note of uh, exposition that I didn't get across the first time on the second viewing, I got it. Like I heard it like that's and, and I will admit a fault of the movie is that sometimes big explanation pieces are one sentence long and they're buried in a scene with other exposition. But. A lot of the questions I had when we were recording that episode were answered just by seeing it again and just listening more carefully. Well, that, and I would like to see it again. How about you, Matt? You've seen it more than both of us put together. What's your lasting takeaway? Uh, I think Doug brings out brings up a lot of good points. Uh, that especially the uh, buried exposition. Like I don't know why, but when I first saw the movie, I was just so thrown off by the like Star Killer firing at you know, what yeah. looks like Coruscant sort of thing. And I was just like, what what happened there? And yeah. why is no one reacting to it? And rewatching it, like Hux does literally say straight up to Snoke, it's time to use the weapon on the leadership of the Republic. So like, you know, it wasn't like a mysterious thing where they were firing it. But for some reason, so many people, including myself, were just thrown off by like what happened there. I mean, there's a lot of weird things that happened in the sequence, like them being able to see the beams from Takodana <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and and also and I I don't think we've discussed this because I think the last time we talked about the movie was like right after seeing it, but there's something that happens in that particular scene on Takodana that is it like like the movie 
like in a nutshell, which is that the characters were so much more important than the actual like events that were going on, especially the new characters where like Finn runs to Han and he says it was the first order. They fired this weapon. And then before they could even react to like the magnitude of that event, Finn looks around and goes, where's Ray? And like, all of a sudden it became once again about, you know, Ray ran away and like, you know, she's like, you know, with BB eight and everything else. And like the, the magnitude of what had just happened was gone. And that's why I think the movie kind of, it, it made itself very micro in scope, despite the huge events of the, mm-hmm. of the film. So it's just kind of like weird after seeing it, you know, eight times or seven, I believe it. I think I love the movie in sequences and very upset with it in other sequences. Like I've broken them up. I love everything on Jakku and I can't stand the freighter. And then I can't stand most of the stuff on the Falcon with, with actually most of the stuff with Harrison Ford period. I don't think he's very good in the movie. And actually don't, I think Luke and three PO are the only returning elements from the previous movies that I did enjoy. Um, Not Leia. No, no, no. I did not enjoy Leia at all. Sadly. Yeah, you guys um, a bunch of sour pusses. <laughs> I mean, there's there's just some scenes between between Harrison and Carrie Fisher that are just, I mean, cringeworthy. And well, and this it, is it did Star it for Wars. me though. I, I mean, this is Star Wars. I, I I'm very forgiving when it comes to, and I don't know why. Maybe because the prequels, it was just so much of that that like it was accepting because everyone likes it. But you had such good, great like there's like four or five great new characters, and then they bring in the the veterans and they just don't hold up to it. And and that scene around like the resistance base when they're all discussing the new Death Star and they're trying to come up with plans and the oscillator and everything else. And Han's like, I like this kid. Oh, so what? It's big. We blew up too. Like, it's so fucking bad. And Starkiller Base, the first half is a mess. Like that the, traveling through hyperspace, not like Dustin Crops Boy, like goes out the window. They're just like uh, the, the shields are refractional refresh rate. So all I got to do is just guess when to pull back on the like not precise calculations on when to drop out of hyperspace, but like, we're just going to do it when I say to do it. <laughs> and, you know, and it's like precise, correct moment where if he had been like one, like millisecond, nanosecond, the smallest possible, they would be in the middle of the planet. They're fine. Um, and, uh, the and, and, yeah, the whole yeah, we'll use the force, but that's not how the force works. But they, uh, yeah. So in the end, that sequence doesn't get good until they finally have the Han and uh, Adam Driver, Kylo Ren scene. Like that, that whole thing with Phasma is is, is a joke, and and the the whole Ray running around, but they don't have cameras on Starkiller Base, and uh, <laughs> it's just the whole thing is very strange until it gets to the, the conclusion of the movie. Wow, I did not uh, expect that reaction, man. <laughs> I, 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 I'm surprised. I, it's a movie of characters that I really like that are like wrapped up in kind of a. It, it, it's a lot of the pacing too, like you, like you mentioned. It's a very um, modernly paced movie. I think it, it, it sometimes it feels like a Marvel film. I guess it's just too much. Jokey, jokey, move on. Like I, I don't know. It's it's. There's something, but but that's like, that being said, I love the movie because of the new characters. I love Hux, I love Kylo, I love Finn, Poe, Ray, BB-8. They're all great, and I'm super excited about what the future holds. I just 
I wish there was a different story that didn't involve Han Solo and and Leia. Well, that's why uh, we want, we're so happy about Michael Arndt's take on it <laughs> at, mm-hmm. at, at first. So yeah, which maybe maybe the bulk of the story of Episode Eight, for all we know. Yeah. Um. Now, the uh, the deleted scenes just for to get to get this out there, the deleted scenes coming on the Blu-ray will not encompass everything. We don't know the exact nature of them. Um, for example, you mentioned the 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 problem with Starkiller Base and launching it at that uh, hub of the, uh, uh, I guess, the, the New Republic. Um, Before I forget, there's something I noticed while watching the movie this most recent time. Why didn't the Resistance just leave that planet? They knew they were targeted before they even sent the Falcon. Why didn't they just evacuate what do you what do you mean what what you mean uh why didn't the resistance so Le- you mean Leia- after after the after the new republic blew up yes and then and then they're they're coming up with a plan of what to do about star killer base and before they even send the falcon and the x-wings like while they're all in that horrible scene where they throw back and forth on coming up with a plan that's perfect and it's going to work leia goes we've got a you know new information the they're charging the the weapon and they're aiming for us, guys. It's it's time to evacuate. Let's just do this later. Well, isn't <laughs> like well, that's a good question. But isn't the point of Star Killer Base that it can shoot across the galaxy at any planet you move to? Well, well but at least you can hide for a little while. But then, but the, the but wouldn't they've proven well, well, they have no well, problem well, killing well, innocent people in the crossfire? But, so it's like. But the interesting thing that where they're getting their information from, they say, is from a recon flight that Greg Grunberg's character just returned from, and then when they go back to Starkiller Base, the First Order says, "We know where they are because of we're tracking the reconnaissance ship they sent." So Greg Grunberg like. Fuck them over. They wouldn't even know where the base was if they just like <laughs> it was all very haphazardly done. And they're all just like I, throughout that whole sequence, whenever they went back. And once again, it's just excuses I felt to get like Carrie Fisher. And they're like, they're like, oh, it's 10 minutes before they fire. And I'm like, why are they sitting there? Just fucking leave. Like this movie, like hyperspace is like nothing. Like that's the other thing, too, is like the, the X-Wings are traveling in hyperspace. And and when the shield goes down. um. They uh, they call them through hyperspace and they say, all right, drop your ships out of hyperspace to go start your attack. It's like, what are they just doing circles in hyperspace? Like, I don't understand what there's a lot of weird stuff with that battle. And that's why I think the first half of the Starkiller base sequence is such it's a mess. I mean, the Phasma stuff with just like all you got to do is take their, you know, like just tackle their leader dude and get her to, you know, remove the shields. It's just. I, I'm surprised with how clever some of the other things at the beginning of the movie were. That th- that whole sequence was just a, well, a giant mess. We, we also do know that there was a lot of last minute rewrites on a lot of things because there were a lot of pieces that they couldn't get finished. I mean, uh, what's her name? The character, little alien in the uh, oh, Maz Kanata. Maz Kanata, yeah. She was supposed to have you know several more scenes throughout the movie. And yeah. she was going to give exposition, and they were, she was going to have a scene with Leia, and they're going to have this big talk and everything. And then it's like, oh shit, that stuff's not in the movie. We have to shoehorn it in somewhere else. And I think what mm-hmm. we're seeing is the direct result of that. And it's it's weird because um, like that scene, if it was filmed, we're not we're not seeing it. Um, the scene where Leia um, is about to go to that Republic planet, and uh, and then her the, her friend who 
is the one we see featured prominently on the balcony before that planet is destroyed. Yeah. I don't believe that that's collected in, in the deleted scenes. Here's what's been listed in the deleted scenes. I hope there's actually more. Uh, Finn in the village, Jakku message, X-Wings prepare for light speed, Kylo searches the Falcon, which there's a sort of a trailer of uh, out now, Snowspeeder chase, and Finn will be fine. And then an additional deleted scene called Tunnel Standoff, which is the sequence um, that was meant to happen beneath Maz Kanata's castle where stormtroopers burst in, can only be accessed by redeeming the digital copy of the film that will be included in the Blu-ray combo pack. Which is dumb, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this is That's a sequence that... Um, Chris Corbold, the uh, SFX supervisor of the film, uh, mentioned in an interview with Collider as being something he was uh, he was really proud of that worked really well. He says in the original script, Maz Kanata had force powers. Uh, after the First Order begins their attack on the castle, Maz used her force powers to cause a ceiling to cave in on a group of stormtroopers that had them cornered. In the sequence, Han Solo was forced to stall the stormtroopers to allow Maz to concentrate. There was a funny back and forth between him and the trooper. Han runs out of things to say, so he rats out Finn, revealing that he recognized Finn's stormtrooper boots, and that's how he knew he wasn't in the resistance. And that's that sounds awesome. So yeah. you we that one we get to see, but only if you cash in on your digital copy before the expiration date included in the Blu-ray combo pack. And you know, probably released years later in a re-release of the of the film, but this is Or online twenty four hours later. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, well, sure, with you know, pirating. But it's uh, it's weird. So I, I want, I want more. I would love to see more comprehensively. Um, all, all I'm hearing is Zuvio, Zuvio. Why, where's Zuvio? Where for art thou, Zuvio? <laughs> man, Zuvio should have been in it, man. How do you know? You don't know anything about the guy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So you should stop taking me so goddamn seriously. <laughs> I just want to see like new costume character coming to Disney World. Zuvio. Everyone goes, who the hell is this? And Captain's like, yes, validation. Finally. Yes. <laughs> Uh, well, all right. So anyhow, let's move on to Rogue One. So we actually published an article and it didn't get hardly any attention online, but, uh, but it was in fact, um, basically an exclusive to us about the information about when we're going to see the first teaser for Rogue One. We had it confirmed that it's coming with Captain America Civil, uh, Civil War and, uh, on, on May 6th. Or at least within the week of May six, like it will come out that same week as that film, and we will be seen in theaters with that film. It was rumored a day prior to us talking about it on making Star Wars, but we straight up confirmed with the source that it, that was in fact happening. And unless that's changed, that's still the story. So it's still a ways out. It's still a whole month and so and such. But uh, but that Rogue One trailer is coming soon, and it's crazy because. There's so many people out there who don't realize that there's another Star Wars film happening between episode seven and eight. Yeah. And 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 there's like some like real good in-depth like analysis and discussion that like you could probably talk about for a long time about whether that's like purposeful in like Disney's deflecting attention away from Rogue One to, you know, because I mean, there's all kinds of episode eight information available, not just like spoilery stuff, but like. You know, they put a little production, like, announcement video up online. Yeah, episode like, eight is being filmed. Boom. Yeah, and, and, and you know, nothing for Rogue One. So it's like, there's just nothing known. It's it's so, or is, it, is that just fan interest being drawn to episode eight? And they know that that's where their, you know, bread is buttered. And, and people just want to talk about episode eight because of Seven's response. It is something you could have an extensive discussion and analysis about. 
Um, one I'm not even sure we're necessarily like qualified for. It's something that I'd love to interview people on uh, about as to like you know why why they've taken this tactic. Um, here's what we can share about Rogue One without going behind the blast doors. Um, there was a report from a Disney shareholder meeting where someone recounted some stuff that they'd seen. Uh, and here's exactly what was said. Most of it was very quick. A shot of black, the black stormtroopers, possibly called death troopers, as previously reported. Another pick of that same style of helmet and armor, but all chrome, reminiscent of Captain Phasma from The Force Awakens. An image of two AT-ATs that had a slightly different look with the door panel on the side of the body painted a lighter beige. Uh, a couple of cast photos, one of Felicity Jones and Diego Luna, another of Donnie Yen. And then there was a video clip that featured Felicity's character on what looked like the inside of a dropship or shuttle with her arm up holding on and the hatch ramp open behind her. And then the other, another thing we have, the only other really concrete thing we have, is a Swedish supermodel named Eunice Olimid described her short role in the film as a rebel leader with no spoken lines. She was originally supposed to play a nomad, but they switched her up her role due to her athletic build. She said, There's a small scene where I run, and there's a tank that comes after me with 20 stormtroopers. There's loads of explosions. And uh, she was 3D scanned for potentially an action figure or CGI reference or something. That is it. That is everything that we know that isn't spoiler-related, and even then, there's still not much. Yeah, even with spoilers, it's like, it's more mostly speculation <laughs> and, and hints as opposed to like things that we know for I mean, sure you know it's it's a heist movie it comes out december 16th this year great awesome yeah, yeah i'm excited about it but that's it the only the only other thing we have and this is like this is a classic state of the empire stretch it out see what happens right there's a lego set called the rebel alliance battle pack that's four minifigs and a speeder bike and they all look more like rogue one and the few pictures we've seen from that than any other Star Wars thing. Mm. That's it. Yeah, I think I think there was an announcement on what on Rogue One's like Force Friday. Really? Like, I think that, yeah, just just uh, I don't even think it was the actual day. I think they just said it was in September of this year. Like, or they may have. I think it might have been like the last Sunday or last Friday of of September, or something like that. It's like it's, but I don't know. Like, I, I'd have to go back and see what we knew about Episode Seven around this time, but. I got to imagine with what we know about episode eight that, you know, like they're probably pretty comparable to seven and rogue one. We know nothing like it's the strangest thing. Well, I mean, we got a teaser trailer for episode seven in 2014. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so by comparison, rogue one is a goddamn mystery. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. we get we did get a teaser teaser for it, rogue one. Yeah, we got a teaser. And by we, I mean. A room Star Wars of celebration. a few hundred people. Yeah, yeah. Got a teaser. It that, is. It got me pumped. <laughs> mm-hmm. That that teaser should have been in theaters. I, yeah. I don't know what happened in front of uh, episode seven, but whatever, man. It's really weird. Let's talk about episode eight then, because that's that's all we've got. Um, its uh, release date since we talked last has been moved to December of 2017. I was so excited at the prospect of having another May Star Wars film and not. For just for personal preference, oh my God, there's so much to do in life, in media, at the end of the year, and shove Star Wars into the end of the yeah. year media coverage and life. Oh my God, this past year was bonkers, guys, and I don't want to do it again. <laughs> and guess what? I'm scheduled to do it again for the next two years at least. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Disney, I guess. <laughs> for giving me stuff Star I like. Wars. Yeah, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> um, 
Also, we know that Benicio del Toro is confirmed. He was rumored before. And Laura Dern has also been confirmed as a role. We'll tell you what that role is when we open the blast doors, but that's not happening yet. The biggest stuff, and this is really exciting, and we're going to have a ton of links. The biggest stuff has come out of Croatia in a town called Dubrovnik. Dubrovnik has become like a big film mecca for a lot of stuff lately. And like there's always leaks when people film there, like Game of Thrones. It was like a, a new set leak like every day. And it seems to be the same thing now for episode eight. Like I don't know if there's like some laws there that like prov- like you can't keep people away from like, you know, film sets. Like you can't close down completely or something. But it's I mean, we're getting some pretty in-depth shots and, and video, too. Yeah, like there's some like, I mean, fine videos and, and twit vids and all kinds of crazy stuff. It, it's like been stunts. great. Actually, I love it. And I think I think maybe some of the reason is, at least for episode eight, they're filming in the middle of the city center. Like it's a very the the reason they're filming there is this city has some really fascinating, unique architecture that itself looks kind of like Star Warsy. So they slap a couple panels on it and a couple different lighting fixtures. And all of a sudden you're in Star Wars. (laughs) And um, the transformation, as you can see from these these behind the scenes photos, which, again, we'll link to are remarkable and super fun. And there it's open during the day. Yeah. Like people are just walking around on a Star Wars set, basically because they it's in the middle of the town. They can't close it down. And then in the meantime, we're we're getting shots of fucking cool looking aliens in like suits, like ready for the opera. Yeah. Um, a, a scene being filmed on like a yacht out at sea. Some scenes of like Finn riding on some kind of thing. Th- th- yeah, big yeah, I thing. I don't know what I don't even know how to begin to it's describe. Like a, well, but I say I say a thing. Well, it's a creature yeah. uh, riding on some kind of giraffe sort of creature puppet some kind yeah yeah that's gonna be you know partially cgi'd by the looks of it like maybe a chase sequence and then these these weird um (laughs) very distant video shots of just people being flung on wires and my hope my hope is that it's just luke walking through there being like fuck you and it's like waving away this force throwing everywhere that but also a pretty uh realistic possibility is that if they wanted to do say like a tie fighter attack they're not going to actually blow up some of these things downtown. They can't actually have pyrotechnics in the middle of the day, so they would just do wires on people and then just add in the explosions later. True. So, so I think that's that's a very realistic uh, possibility. But uh, but yeah, man, the speculation of me being like, oh, I just want Luke Skywalker to use the Force so bad right now. It's like it's, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be too cool. So I don't know, hoping, uh, holding out for it's, that, hoping that happens. Like this is the reason we're mentioning this now is because we don't consider the spoilers. It's super vague. Because well, I, I just made all that shit up. I yeah. mean, I don't, you know. Yeah, like there's, but but check out these pictures. It's the aliens. It's so cool. Like the stuff we're seeing is so cool and so different. Yeah, and from, this doesn't even look like main, uh, you know, hero featured stuff. This is like background Moss Eisley Cantina example. You know, like right. these, these are random background aliens, not main characters or anything. So we'll we'll have all of our speculation on what we can understand out of this location and its plot behind the blast doors, but that's the, that's the fun stuff that uh, that we can say without potentially spoiling anything. So uh, that that leaves us with well, let's see. There's there's Han Solo, which comes out May twenty fifth, twenty eighteen. There's Episode nine, which comes out in twenty nineteen, and then there's the uh, reported Boba Fett film and coming out in twenty twenty, maybe. But we don't know anything new about any of those. Aside from that, maybe they're casting Han Solo, maybe. Or they have been, but, like, the details, oh, they're sparse. Yeah. Uh, We don't know anything. And we also still don't know much new stuff about Star Wars Land at the Disney parks. But I did have the opportunity to go to the uh, Star Wars launch bay at Hollywood Studios during our break here and uh, had a great time. 
What did you get to do? Well, it's it's a very Hollywood Studios is a park that needs some extra attention. Well, that's what they're doing. Yeah, and they're going to be you know inserting Star Wars Land and some and some other new content. So it's good. But in the meantime, they have some exhibits. Uh, they have a featurette that has. Um, uh, Rain Johnson and Gareth Edwards in this featurette. You sit in the theater and watch in the former animation studios over there, and uh, and talk about the excitement of building onto Star Wars. And it was cool seeing these discussions from from the sets of Rogue One and Episode Eight hmm. with uh, with the directors, which haven't been online anywhere that I've seen. Um, there's some uh, props there. It was a lot like what we saw at Star Wars Celebration, but I think probably they split what we saw at Celebration between the respective Disney parks, and mm-hmm. this one had some additional stuff I hadn't seen before. And then some interactive things like Jawa trading, for example. There's people dressed as Jawas, and you can give them garbage, and they will in turn give you tiny droid parts because they have a new feature at, um, maybe, I don't know how, how long it's been there, really, uh, but at Star Tours where you can um, go in their little uh, Mos Eisley-looking trader thing and there's bins of different droid parts and you assemble your own droid and then uh, buy it for a ridiculous sum of money but, but you, you literally hand them garbage yeah random stuff you don't want anymore like you know if you're a little if you're a cute little kid and you give them a straw wrapper maybe they'll give you right you know maybe they'll give you a leg if you're an adult they'll probably like haggle with you and get angry and probably not give you anything but i mean like what like like the the map to the park or like i like the empty bowl of nachos you know like i mean I, they have. They probably can't cross contaminate. I don't know. I don't know how how but far. I'm, I, just go. Mean, I mean, trash, literal trash. Stuff like, stuff like, you don't want. Stuff that you have maybe on your person that you're like, yeah, I could part with that. Sure. Or like travel size sunscreen or something. Like, like yeah, if you give them, if you're if you try to do say Disney pin trading, which is very po- uh, popular with the Jawa, you well, you're still only going to get droid parts. But um, a friend of mine uh, went to eBay and bought a tiny beanbag Jawa for dirt cheap and then mm. traded that jawa with the jawa and in turn got multiple droid parts <laughs> mm. um and there's also some star wars food there's a uh, a chicken and waffles where they have a waffle iron that actually presses a waffle with darth vader's face onto oh, it i was hoping it's gonna be like a turn of the jedi like no no <laughs> you squeeze it and make some waffles that waffle will soon learn some respect Doug. <laughs> <laughs> um it, and it was, you know, typical theme park fare. Don't bother with the blue milk panna cotta. It's just nothing to write home about. It's really bland. <laughs> um, but it's fun. The coolest thing I saw there, aside from the uh, Force Awakens segment of Star Tours, which is you're never going to miss because, at least for the time being, it's locked on. You're always going to go to that one, and then everything else is randomized. Uh, we've talked about that in a previous episode when Matt checked it out. Um, the Jedi training. It's fantastic. The thing for kids where kids can go up and like train at a Jedi temple. Because they're using characters from Star Wars Rebels now, right? They are, yeah. I mean, but it has it has Darth Vader um in it, and it also has the fifth sister. And it's an fantastic uh real life rendering of Sarah Michelle Gellar's character from Rebels. And in, in and she's wearing her mask the whole time, but so that allows them to actually have Sarah Michelle Gellar doing the voice work for this presentation. Cool. It was great, really well choreographed, really cool. I, being a kid doing that, I can't even imagine. I know, so jelly. <laughs> um, and I also saw a great Star Wars themed fireworks show there. It's uh, is this the the newest one? No, the... it's 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 the current one. It's called Symphony of the Stars. But what you're what you're about to mention there is that they they have announced that they are doing quote the most elaborate fireworks display in the history of Disney's Hollywood Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which includes fireballs blasting from rooftops, searchlights simulating lightsabers, um, the twin sons of Tatooine, a field of battle droids, the trench of the Death Star, and Starkiller Base confirmed as scenes that will be used during a video projection aspect of the show. Um, and they might also be selling glow with what they call, quote, glow with the show items, uh, like oh, souvenirs. Yeah, yeah. That's like those are like cups and necklaces you wear that light up with LEDs, but they're actually like, timed with the music. So they'll blink yeah. on you like with with the music and stuff. Now, that's a nice batch of bells and whistles there. But I'll straight up tell you that the one they have presently, Symphony of the Stars, was already the best fireworks show I've ever seen. Really? Yeah. Like the- wow. Well, because I, I heard I heard uh, uh, from from an inside source uh-huh. that apparently now I don't know if this is just them talking a big, a big game, but just that the inside source was like who worked on the fireworks show was just like, oh yeah, this one's uh, this one's okay. The next one's going to be the real good one. So for them to be like, this one's okay, and for you to say this is the best one you've seen, I can't even freaking imagine what would get the fireworks people excited. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know. Like, <laughs> when it's your job all day to be like, let's make things go boom every single day, and then you see it and it's the biggest one ever, and they're like, eh, it's all right. I was, <laughs> I was really, really impressed. It was crazy good. So yeah, I can't even imagine. I almost wonder if maybe they're going to overcomplicate the simple beauty of the best fireworks show I've ever seen with maybe too much stuff. But hey, let's go crazy. Let's see what yeah, they can let's, do. Let's go as far as we can go. Guys, it's time for Willow Watch. Oh, damn. Well, so we did our Willow Watch episode. Do you really want any more Willow Watch after that? <laughs> after, after the interview with Bob Dolman and all the other speculation that we had leading up to it, what, what more do you want at this point? Well, I mean, Bob Dolman, screenwriter of Willow. He provided us with incredible insights. It was one of my favorite things we've ever done. But we still have more questions. We got to talk it's to true. Alan Varney, That's the true. guy who wrote the uh, Willow source book, to to figure out what the state of Willow was after the production had wrapped when they were mm. trying to build Willow as a franchise and all the materials that are going to well accumulate into what we hope to be a revival of Willow at some point. They Indeed. may discard them, but they may also use them just like how you know, um, episode seven is rife with all kinds of content inspired by the expanded universe. And by original Ralph McQuarrie artwork. Yeah. So they never let anything go to waste. And I, I do think that our quest for, let's say, the Willow story Bible or all the material that was created now we now that we know was created after the initial filming of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's out there. And we getting some more insights on it, I think, would uh, would aid our quest towards the inevitable Willow sequel, Willow comic book, whatever. But the reason I've timed Willow Watch here is because when I was at Hollywood Studios, I'll be damned if, over the PA system, I didn't hear the Willow score. Oh, yeah? Piped quite prominently. Like uh, like in the, not in the Star Wars section, though? Or no, just... over, throughout the whole park. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's something, that's a little something to nudge up the, uh, the Willow Watch levels, it, I think. Yeah, it could either mean nothing or... Something. Well, it confirms that they've got, you know, the rights to play the music in the theme park. And it happened just before the Star Wars show. Really? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Do you think it was like like intentionally like to set up the show or just that it just happened to be one of the songs that was playing? I, I just happened to be maybe, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. It's it's that's that's a thing. So we haven't made any plans for our next Willow Watch episode yet. There aren't any there aren't any record dates set yet, but it will happen. And um, well, it's hopefully going to happen this year. So we'll be talking to Alan Varney next, and then we'll see. Uh, I gotta admit, 
I haven't made any headway on those uh, Chris Claremont novels. <laughs> well, some more important <laughs> things have come up, and we've heard of how, how difficult it is, so uh, I can't say I blame you. But um, but I am curious, like whether I like the books or not, his story is one worth hearing. And uh, as to you know, working with George Lucas on a trilogy of the only Willow sequels that have been official ever, and well, and hopefully will not continue to be official by virtue of the story destroying everything we know and love about Willow. But all the same, it would be nice to know why. And the only way that we can respectfully ask those questions is if at least one of us has read all those damn books. Right. So, thus ends Willow Watch. But our divergence into things that are Lucasfilm but not Willow has not yet ended because, of course, you probably caught the news that Indiana Jones 5 is 100% officially happening and it's coming out July 19th, 2019. I'm, uh, happy about it. Not as excited as I was when I heard that the fourth one was coming out. The, f- <laughs> the fourth one was coming out, I was like, yes! Because, you know, it was no, there was no further Star Wars. This is the only thing left. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to have a, an Indiana Jones episode where we just all explain our stories before uh, before seeing Crystal Skull. We could do that. We could have a great indie episode, and I'd love to have Mike Rothman on there from Consequence of Sound, who was on a previous episode of State of the Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote a great article uh, at Consequence called Whipping Indiana Jones Back into Fortune and Glory um, and, and outlined his hope for what Indy 5 could be. Um, which he wrote actually before they officially announced the uh, the release date. So what we know is that it's starring Harrison Ford. It's directed by Steven Spielberg and written by David Cope. Mm-hmm. Now, Cope is a guy with a storied background in blockbusters. He's written Jurassic Park, Mission Impossible, Spider Man, Panic Room, but he's also written some bad movies, like uh, Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, Premium Rush, The Lost World, and he did co-write Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I don't blame him a lot for Crystal Skull, though. I mean, uh, Frank Darabont did a draft before uh, David was brought on board. And from what we glean from these interviews and stuff, it was, you know, harder, edgier. It was more like Raiders. You know, it was it was everything that we that we would have wanted. Um, but just that the Spielberg and Lucas mandate came through where Lucas was like, no, no, no. I you know kind of want to be about this instead. And Spielberg was just like, hey, man, George is the boss. You know, we got to let's just, you know, we're, we're going in this direction. So we're going to have to shelve that. And they, they put it to the side and they really didn't take much, if anything, really from uh, from his from his script. So I think they brought David on board and Dave was just like, hey, man, hell yeah, Indiana Jones, let's go for it. And just probably just tried to make them the best with what uh with what George and Steven and Harrison I mean he's, he's done some with. films I like I didn't mention yeah. Zathura but I love Zathura mm. um I don't know I mean I'll always give the guy who wrote Jurassic Park benefit of the doubt because the dude knows <laughs> the dude knows how to make it happen he knows how to make it work and I'm, I'm giving this whole movie benefit of the doubt because I, re- I really truly do believe that Spielberg and Harrison Ford love the series and they really want to make it right. Because, I mean, all the hype leading up to Crystal Skull, all they were saying was, we wanted to make something that the fans are going to really enjoy. Because we have fun making it, but we want to make sure that this is something that will fit right in with the others. And the fans are going to be able to watch them all together. And it's going to feel right. And we're going to hit the tone. And there was just so much emphasis on that, where normally you don't hear about that, you know? Like, especially with other Spielberg films. I mean, 
especially with other things like Batman versus Superman. Like, I don't really hear them talking about what they're achieving and like how how they are listening to fans and everything else. But uh, I, and I also think that Spielberg and Harrison Ford are very intelligent people who have heard the complaints. Mm-hmm. And this is probably why they want to do another one because they want to get it right. I mean, we have heard this the the very often repeated rumor that uh, Indiana Jones 5 was part of the deal to get yeah. Harrison back on Star Wars. Yeah, and I re- I really want to believe that Harrison was just like, you know, uh, I was disappointed with how that turned out. Now you want me to bring Star Wars back. Well, I'm not going to do Star Wars so, unless I can prove so, to do Indiana Jones. So you're not worried it's just going to be a rehash of Raiders just like Force Awakens. <laughs> no, because it's not. It's not the same. People aren't going to be involved. It's it's Spielberg. But 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 it, but it is because it's is Disney still like you know with the whole play it safe like oh Crystal Skull was the prequels to of of the indie series like it's time to bring it back to the roots and I don't know I just like, it's a fair point to make I just think that when you it's not like you can't retell it if literally everyone involved is the exact same person. I mean, I, 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 what scares me is I thought, I mean, I've spoke about it earlier on this episode. I Harrison Ford, I thought was terrible in Force Awakens. And I just, it's been a while since I've seen him like be, you know, a good actor and, and a, well, not even a good actor, just like someone who looks like he cares what he's doing. Like, I mean, Cowboys vs. Aliens and, and, and Force Awakens and uh, Crystal Skull. And yeah, it's just like he's sleepwalking through yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's all the big money. But, but you know, like uh, he did an interview recently on, uh, I can't remember if it was Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel, but I think it was Jimmy Kimmel. And he was just talking about how they've had announced that Indiana Jones 5 was happening. And he, I don't know, to me at least, came across as genuine as liking the character and really wanting to get it right. And for the fourth one, sure, I, I give it benefit of the doubt that in the fourth one, he was just there to have fun on set, you know, to put on the hat, to go punch people, to, you know, because it's an adventure, you know, just to even make the movie, it's fun, you know, doing all the physical stuff. And uh, I don't know. I, and the way, just the way he talked about it, I part of me just, it might just be me trying to trick myself into, into protecting myself, but I really do think that they want to get it right. They know what mistakes, they, they know the mistakes they made and they want to they fix it. This is riffing off of uh, Rothman's article a bit, but my theory for how this is going to go down is that it's going to be an Indiana Jones story told in two timelines, like Last Crusade, basically, but extended throughout the whole film, where there's some unfinished business that uh, Indy had back when he was young, and then there's also what's happening with present-day 77-year-old Indiana Jones in well, in in what whatever the present day, I don't know, I don't know how that breaks down in Indy time, but whatever era that would be for him so it's, this is like the ian mckellen mr holmes except now it's mr jones yeah which is actually exactly the the example that mike rothman offered oh damn all right yeah. um <laughs> and uh and it would be used as an opportunity to then take the younger actor they're having play indiana jones and and transition that into future film opportunities that would and, be- and 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 on top of that i don't think it's far-fetched to assume that whoever they decided to cast as young han solo could end up being that same person. Oh man, what a lucky bastard! <laughs> <laughs> well, he better be good, and he better be somebody we don't know yet, because yeah. I don't like anybody who's been mentioned. Yeah. Well, you know, I was gonna say that um, that's the idea of the flashback sort of movie. It's not a bad theory, but Spielberg has said a couple times that, as far as he's concerned, only Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones, and that no one else can play it. I believe that that's of the films that he's directing. He, but Spielberg is directing, right? But he he also directed what's his face as young Indy. Like 
I mean, he did River uh, Phoenix. River Phoenix. I mean, well, the I, argument. I, I guess the argument we made that that was that was yeah, that was Indiana Jones, but that was like baby Indiana Jones for ten minutes. That wasn't the movie all about. You know what I'm saying? Like, th- there's mm-hmm. a difference where if if you only have Harrison Ford bookending something as Indiana Jones, oh, and then a young guy plays it in the no, middle. But the thing is, it wouldn't be bookending. It would be consistent across the whole narrative of the film. But that would suggest that there's equal time given to a younger Indiana Jones. Yeah. Well, I think I think he's going to have Which to... Which I, I could see then with, with Harrison Ford being 77. I can totally buy that happening. Yeah. I, I think, you know, Spielberg has said that, and I agree. And I think this is probably the last film he'd direct unless he has a change of heart to that end. But mm-hmm. I think that he's going to have to play ball in that respect because he knows that everybody would like Indiana Jones to still have an opportunity to exist beyond Harrison Ford. Right. And uh, Harrison Ford needs to go out on a high note because he and and the rest of us all want a good Indiana Jones movie to end it out, and we can all pretend like Crystal Skull never happened. But are, are, uh, are we just gonna like years, decades from now, when there's a new Indiana Jones and he's the different Indiana Jones, and it's like, oh, which Jones do you prefer? Oh, I prefer Harrison Ford because he's the original. Are we gonna look at Crystal Skull or whatever's gonna be Indiana Jones five and be like Diamonds Are Forever? We're like, you know what? It should have ended before this, you know, like. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I mean, all the complaints we would say about Sean Connery and Diamonds Are Forever, are we going to say the same thing about Harrison Ford? It's it's a definite possibility. I mean, I hope not. Yeah. But... Yeah. Yeah. Gaming, video games. Um, well, Battlefield's chugging right along. They got an yeah. Outer Rim expansion Battle, pack. Battlefront. Battlefront. Sorry, Battlefront. You're right. I don't play it. I, it's not, not for me. Not my <laughs> game. Um. But there's a game that's a little bit more interesting to me, which is a rumor and could be completely fake, but I'm going to report it here anyway because it might be real. Uh, EA is making a spiritual sequel to Republic Commando called Star Wars Imperial Commando. The uh, rumor comes from someone who is allegedly working on an alternate reality game tied to the release and points to a login page where users can enter any one of the names of the commandos from Republic Commando and a random password. It has a second screenshot that does a countdown set to expire during E3 2016 and has an E3 2016 hashtag with EA's name in it. And um, the leak says that uh, it'll be during E3. They'll reveal a trailer roughly three minutes and uh, the game itself will be released November 2017 on Xbox One, PS4, PC, and weirdly, and this is the thing that maybe discredits it the most, Nintendo NX. Yeah, and, and I was oh. gonna say, didn't both uh, Disney and EA back out of? Uh, yes, they did. Yeah, I was about prison. to ask but that too. Yeah, that was... I mean that, that that you know that doesn't mean they won't reveal things during press conferences, but mm-hmm. they don't have a floor presence, so I don't know. Well, is it because yeah. they're doing their own kind of conference at that time? Is wasn't that the the the, the idea that E three is pulling out because it's gonna do its own E three show, and then like Sony's gonna do its own Sony show, and now everyone's realizing, wait a minute. Why do we got to keep drinking the Kool-Aid of having to go to E3? Why don't we just have our own expo and we can release things how we want and have our own rules and get people hyped up in our own building? Yeah, basically that. And so EA is actually, they've rented out a space across the street that fans can go to because E3 is itself a trade show. Mm -hmm. So yes, EA has pulled out, Activision's pulled out, Disney's pulled out of being present on the E3 trade show floor. Um, And while this leak happened if it is in fact a leak several like a couple months before the very recent announcement that they're pulling out of e3 they could there's probably going to be a bunch of press announcements around that time regardless of that fact so it could mm-hmm. still hold up um, True. and if it does it is going to be the uh popular popularly demanded 
campaign-based game that people have been wanting, myself included. Uh, a single-player and a four-player co-op with a smaller multiplayer uh, combat thing. And each player will have uh, unique tools and features. There's vehicles, destructible environment, including space stations where you can breach the shields to suck the air out and objects with it. 20-plus hours of gameplay across multiple worlds and a Pip-Boy-like app for asymmetrical gameplay with the uh, the uh, the menu screen. Damn. And this could all be fan fiction. <laughs> this could yeah. it could be a complete. If lie. it is, you're a dick. Like, why would you go through that much effort to describe something so awesome just so we can go? Oh, it's not real. But it's a very pretty lie. Yeah, could be cool. Trials on Tatooine is a VR experience created by ILM Experience Lab. They're the guys who did the um, Jakku spy thing for Google Cardboard, and uh, they've they're building one for the HTC Vive. We don't really know much about it, but it's probably going to have lightsaber use because Vive has those really cool handle things that have a one-to-one ratio in virtual space. Um, and there's been some uh, some slight video of it. doesn't look great. There's no shadows, for example, where there should be shadows, but uh, we'll see. And um, new technology. Still working on it. Yeah, and, and uh, Boar from Nerdy Show, he's he's getting a Vive. So um, if it's free to play, well, even, and maybe even if it's not, then uh, we'll be able to give you our two cents on this experience, which is fun. And then one final note in gaming. You remember Star Wars Attack Squadrons? Oh, yeah. In- I-, I remember sucking real bad at it, <laughs> but they're still having fun. Incredible browser-based Star Wars flight simulator game. Lots and lots of fun. It was uh, in beta, and it was about to be released to a public beta, fully fully public beta. We actually released some, uh, some, some codes so people could jump in there in the early beta um, on this very show. But it got shit-canned, and we didn't really know why. And uh, now Curtis Charrington, the project lead for that game, he's released an article called How I Made the Best Star Wars Game That You Will Never Play and Why I'm Okay With Its Cancellation. So we'll link to that on this episode's page. And if you want to check out fun articles like that <laughs> um, in between episodes of State of the Empire, then you should definitely follow us on Facebook in our uh, State of the Empire page, State of the Empire and uh, Star Wars and Willow Watch News. And uh, we also have a page called Star Wars Spoilers, where it's it's all Blast Wars all the time in there, folks. <laughs> uh, we'll link to both those, of course, on this episode's page. Now, another another little piece of older State of the Empire news is, as you might recall, we had a Star Wars coloring contest that we launched some episodes back, and the winners are in! Are you guys ready to talk about this? I'm ready. We had a lot of great entries. Some exciting... Uh, conceptual stuff. Yeah, that's a good. That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> Exciting concepts, such as this honorable mention, for example. Um, <laughs> Hoodoo Voodoo used uh, web found photos of shit to color every character. Just the color sample, yeah. right? Just it's just well, and the texture sample, and the texture sample. Yeah, but you can't really tell when it's all put together. It's like this is an interesting choice, and then it's like yeah. It's all made of poop. He said, um, we were all looking forward to Constable Zuvio. But what do we have? Not me. But what do we have to show for it? (laughs) Fuck you, Doug. Shit. So here's a lovingly colored picture finished in five-ish hours and using the clone brush and no less than 17 different pictures of various kinds of poop. Now, you can see this in all of the entries over at uh, nerdyshow.com slash S-O-T-E contest, City of the Empire contest. And, of course, we'll link to it on this episode's page. Um, other entries included uh, Bob Madden, Gary Ur, uh Jessica Costa, Kausa Baloo, uh, Landon Tomasa, Nicholas Dinsmore, Ryan Osborne, a.k.a. Avon, 
Wilhelm and uh, Max Acree, who did uh, who hand copied our image from the from the coloring book uh, onto Crayola color wonder paper, which is pretty cool. But all of you guys, amazing entries. But here's the winners. Third place at nine years old, <laughs> Anastasia submitted to uh, to us by her dad, Kevin Wise, longtime Nerdy Show listener. We didn't really think we were actually going to get any children doing, um, but it's do, cool though. These pages and it's awesome. <clears throat> so, <laughs> congratulations, Anastasia. Second place, Caitlin Kruger, who uh, presented us a slightly photoshopped uh, pop culture additions um, <laughs> to the page, including uh, Hedonism Bot as BB-8, uh, Green Lantern Finn, Navi Ray, and Deadpool Willow, among others. And uh, then first place, Kutsushita, who gave us a veritable blacklight poster of very wrong coloring <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> but it showed real creativity. Yes, real creativity. He, you, went, you went pretty crazy with it, uh, including a 420 Constable Zufio. <laughs> Maybe that's why he, he forgot to show up the set. <laughs> he was just baked in his uh, trailer. <laughs> it took him 10 to 15 hours of what he said pa- was painstaking coloring with a set of 30 felt tip pens meant for his niece but appropriated for the occasion well it was worth it <laughs> yeah i think so and if you're uh, if you weren't familiar with the contest you can see the luxurious and obscure star wars prizes that these guys were awarded uh, at the uh, contest page now moving on to some shout outs because we are a listener-funded podcast network, and a listener-funded podcast. If you like what State of the Empire does, if you like the Star Wars news coming at you and you want us to be on a more consistent schedule, well, you're our only hope. And um, we're Patreon-supported, and, and that, that means that you can go to nerdyshow.com slash Patreon, support the whole network, and has a trickle-down effect to State of the Empire. But if you don't have finances to you know do that and also acquire cool perks in doing so, well, there's some... Uh, some cost-free ways that you can help us. Number one, anything you buy on Amazon, including pre-orders of Episode 7, if you follow our Amazon links at nerdyshow.com slash Amazon, then uh, we get a cut of everything you buy at no extra cost to you. It's super helpful. And if you want to just consistently help us, you can bookmark that link as your de facto Amazon link. Just a pro tip there. Um, really easy to do. And uh, if you buy anything super cool and want us to know about it, just uh, shoot us an email at uh, info at nerdyshow.com and we'll give you a shout out on the show for having supported us through Amazon. But uh, there's another way you can support us that involves really legitimately no money at all, even money you wouldn't have spent already because it's Amazon. Um, what really helps us is rating and reviewing on iTunes. And that way, if we have higher ratings and more reviews, more people will see us. So we would like you to do that. <laughs> it's super easy. If you have an iTunes account, you just go on iTunes and you, well, click a star rating and uh, ideally five stars. And then if you have the time, also you can write a review. And if you, re- if you write a review, we will read it on this episode. For example, Silver Words, who said, my favorite Star Wars podcast. Nice. It's like sitting around chatting with my friends. The hosts are knowledgeable and funny, and I love hearing all the speculation, even when I don't always agree. Definitely recommend to anyone who loves Star Wars and loves talking about Star Wars. Or Nebulius, who said, One-stop shopping for Star Wars news. The days after Disney bought Star Wars were tumultuous indeed. 
Luckily, the Nerdy Show Network stepped up to produce this show that digests the rumor mill for you. In that uncertain time waiting for episode 7, this show reported and unpacked every breadcrumb available. Fantastic investigation and analysis, guys. Keep it up. That's that's a pretty glowing review. <laughs> Thank you, Nebelius. <laughs> Thank you, Silver Words. Thank you to everybody else who's left a review. Um, we currently only have 12 ratings, so we could really use your help. There was actually a thing that was going on uh, that we found out about kind of in the midst of it happening. There was um, someone started up a Star Wars podcast award thing. Um, and we found out about it kind of late, but we put out the word to our various channels, and thanks to you guys, we got qualified for some some categories. But then what we didn't... It, it was a kind of a poorly set up thing, so there were no notifications. So then once the... <laughs> once the... Podcasts that qualified for those categories were set up. Then voting began, and all those those categories were voted on in different short time spans. So no one really had the opportunity to really campaign it exactly. And I don't know how many votes were cast for anything. We didn't win in the end at the end of the process because it was hard to keep track of, quite frankly. But I did tell everybody uh, for everybody who who let us know that they um, wrote in State of the Empire into the uh, when we were collecting the nominations and so on that I would give them a shout out on the show starting with Temsu who said was happy to lend you a red arm oh boy <laughs> how did he get it <laughs> deleted scene I want to know um, Mike Swabby Max Acree Matt Mellis Kyle Sweeney Isa Biz Stephen Pingel Shaded Spryder and Scott Perry thanks guys maybe next year maybe next year man all day was showing me that there's yeah, there's a there's a hell of a lot of Star Wars podcasts out there. There are there are a lot, um, and uh, you know if there's a bright center of the Star Wars podcast universe, we are the podcast it's farthest from. But oh, we're 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 <laughs> we're we're a pretty shining bright spot, I believe. But 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 look what happened. Tatooine ended up being like let's be honest, pretty much the hub of the entire universe. Yeah, yeah. And I was really saying that we're a wretched hive of scum and villainy is really what I was getting to. So. <laughs> Anyway, um, by the way, if you see reviews on iTunes that you like, well, uh, remember to upvote them and it's, it asks if the review is helpful and say yes, and that'll st- stack them on the top. And reviews can be short. They can be super short. In fact, uh, we actually have a contest going on right now. It's not related to State of the Empire, but it's actually going on across the Nerdy Show Network. We have boxes for something called Comic Bento. It's kind of like Loot Crate, but it's just for graphic novels. And... Um, we actually they, they had a paid ad on Nerdy Show a while back. If you use the discount code NERDY, you save $5 on all new subscriptions. And if you do want to do that and use that code, that's cool because maybe they'll take out more advertising space on our shows and give us more money. Um, but they did also give us some sets for giveaway. These are boxes we have no idea for sure what's in them. Um, but we have four of them, and we will give them to our favorite reviews on iTunes. The only catch is you have to enter into the contest because iTunes doesn't give out personal information, so we have no way of contacting anybody who wrote a review. So if you go to nerdyshow.com slash bento giveaway, you can find out everything that, uh, that you need to know about that contest. Links to where you can find out, well, you can get to all of our respective channels on the Nerdy Show Network on iTunes because, uh, well, all of, our, all of our shows on iTunes could use rating and reviewing. And rating, as I said, is super easy. You just click a star rating. So if you want to give the love to all of our 18 shows, oh my God, you'll be a champion. Write to us and we'll give you a shout out. <laughs> because uh, we can use all the help we can get and you guys are awesome and um, we uh, that would be rad. So we got we to gotta spread the love. We got to 
We got to make State of the Empire the number one Star Wars podcast in the galaxy, even though we do look for news in all the places. And these bento boxes, man, they're like full volumes. They're not like single issues. Oh, yeah. It's like, the, there's some heft to this thing. The, I mean, the, the, the way it works is you get like four or five books or something, but you will get at least $50 in graphic novels every single month with this, with this service. And so that means, that means if you uh, enter into this contest, and currently we actually don't have any entries, uh, you will get $50 in comic books. <laughs> so consider it. Let's move on to comics. We had some big announcements recently, guys. And 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 they're coming like sooner than later. Where For, is the three PO comic? I, I gotta have an answer to that. Okay. That's actually coming out pretty soon. Finally. Finally. After all this time, we'll find out where three PO got his goddamn motherfucking red arm. <laughs> <laughs> April thirteenth, three PO. Single issue, one shot issue. Took forever to come out. April thirteenth. Incredible artist writer creative team. Maybe a useless story. We won't know. But very, very soon we'll find out. And I also found out that it's going to be collected in the hardcover edition of Shattered Empire. Currently, Shattered Empire is only out in softcover. That comes out in September. Hmm. So kind of like a one-stop shop for pre-Episode 7 content, except you've probably bought it already. <laughs> is, is, is that going to include the landing? But, but if, there, if there's one thing that Star Wars fans, like, I mean, they did, like we buy things again. So there's <laughs> no... True. Uh, mm. There's Doug, no handcuff there. Doug, the Lando run is already collected. All I know, by but is it gonna you say this though? If it's not a one-stop shop unless it's got that no. in it. Doug. Dear sweet Doug, one-stop shop for pre-episode seven content is what I said. Lando took place before episode seven. This, <laughs> the prequel comic content. I know. And if, if if the land if the uh, amazing Lando comic did not stand on its own in its own volume, I would raise some hell. <laughs> It's a fine comic. It's a wonderful comic written by Charles Soule, who's currently writing the still ongoing, uh, though it's a miniseries, but um, still still being put out, Anakin and Obi-Wan comic book, which is a, a really fun yeah, story. Yeah. But he's doing an ongoing, I believe. I believe it's an ongoing Poe Dameron comic book. And it comes out April 6th. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait. Art by Phil Noto, um, Pre-Force Awakens, It'll feature Leia, BB-8, and a new First Order villain who's posed nemesis, who Charles Soule describes as Evil Lando. Oh, so he's, uh, I was thinking, oh, is he like the Red Baron of the uh, of the First Order? But if it's more like Evil Lando, then interesting. Yeah. And uh, I, a summary I saw said the First Order is actively on the hunt for Luke Skywalker. So that's an interesting foil. Soul himself says, "Well, the the, the opening crawl for Force Awakens says they won't rest until they destroy yeah. Luke." Mm, that is true. That is true. Uh, Soul says, "I think I think of it like a bunch of different genre movies stacked uh, up one after the other." I've been doing this for a while. Lando was a heist movie. Obi Wan and Anakin is a post apocalyptic steampunk western. <laughs> that explains a lot. Poe will be the same, with each arc feeling a bit different. The first story is straight up weird. 70s sci-fi, but there's plenty more to come. A prison story, an espionage tale, lots of great stuff. Cool. So there you go. It is ongoing, and each one's going to have a different flavor. And I read the first issue of the Obi-Wan run, and it's promising. I want to see where it goes. It's it's three issues deep now, and yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, we also recently found out there's a Han Solo book coming out, a Han Solo miniseries. Uh, five issues set in the same pre-Empire timeline as the current Star Wars and Darth Vader comics, as well as the Chewbacca miniseries, the Princess Leia miniseries. It's written by Marjorie Liu and illustrated by Mark Brooks. And um, Liu says, this is a Han Solo who doesn't quite know who he is anymore. 
struggling with being a smuggler, but also working for the rebellion and kind of finding his heart. Hmm. Um, the story involves a starship race called the Dragon Void Run, which Han has wanted to enter his entire life, and he's trying to pull it off while being involved in a scheme of Leia's to weed out spies in the rebellion. That's not all. Okay. It was just announced at C2E2. No details yet. Save this. A Rogue One three-issue miniseries and a one-shot coming out in October. So that's four. Oh, even the one-shots? Rogue oh, one and, and the one-shot. I didn't yeah. realize that. I believe that's what they're saying is four weeks of Rogue One content in comic books in October is what they're saying. Wow. I wonder what that's all going to be. Or maybe spread out between October and November, but prior to the film. All mm-hmm. of these will be released. Hmm. Kind of like how they did with Shattered Empire. And what they were trying to do with Shattered Empire in the 3PO comic. (laughs) (laughs) What got delayed, though. Yeah. Now, we've been seeing a lot of canon synergy lately, especially with the comic books. Uh, Greg Weissman's incredible must-read run on canon just ended. It was started as a miniseries, got so popular it carried on. And it's been great. There's been two distinct story arcs that happened. And in the second story arc... um, it has Kanan in like, uh, he, he gets knocked out and he ends up in a back to tank. And, and in this plot that's going on simultaneous to the current Rebels timeline, you're also seeing Kanan reflect on him as a Padawan uh, pre-Order 66. Mm. So um, we, there's, there's been some synergy happening there, so much so that there was an issue of Kanan that featured a Clone Wars battle where he received support from some Mandalorian pilots and the leader of that squad returned days later in our time as a character in Rebels who Kanan vaguely remembered. Mm, that's, the, that's the kind of synergy that gets me going. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. And in the last issue, it features an Imperial adversary of Kanan's from the novel A New Dawn. Huh. Which uh, Imperial adversary? A female Imperial. I forget her name. Uh, um... Is it Ray Sloan? Probably. I don't remember. I don't have it in front of me. Um, but a, a prominent character from that novel who was like basically invested in, I'm going to get you, Kanan. It is Ray Sloan who they've seeded throughout. Like she's been in short stories and a new dawn. And, and she was, she's actually the like commander of the Imperial fleet in aftermath. Oh, like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, so like, this Holy is shit. like, yeah, they've been doing a lot of stuff with this character. And and, and actually, this was, uh, I recently saw, it was kind of a fan, like, discussion on Force.net about what has been the best aspect of the new, um, like, sort of side canon. Uh-huh. And it was the sort of, like, very quick, prominent rise of Ray Sloan into being like a well-fleshed-out character throughout the entire... Like, you know, they did it very quick, so there's the possibility of just making it too, like, you know, she's, you know, it's just too all over the place, but it's mm-hmm. been, like, very good so far despite going to different eras, and that's really cool. I didn't realize she had made her comic debut. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was neat. Even though I didn't know who she was, I could tell that there was something more there, and I looked her up, and it was uh, it was a good time. Um, so that's all for comics, uh, but there's there's actually a weird announcement. Before we get into Rebels, what little we can say without the Blast Wars is uh, there's a new Star Wars TV show coming to Disney XD, but it's also a Lego TV show. It's called Lego Star Wars The Freemaker Adventures, and it will follow the Freemakers, a family of scavengers who build and sell starships from the sc- scoured debris of space battles sown throughout the galaxy, strewn 
throughout the galaxy. <laughs> um, when the youngest member discovers a mysterious artifact known as the Kyber Saber, his connection to the Force is opened, and the entire family is drawn into the Empire's crosshairs. It's set between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, so it can feature known characters. Hmm. I, I will say, as far as, like, if you want to, like, you know, Lego theme something, having it be debris is a good way yeah. to, you know, the mm-hmm. scavengers. That's cute. Yeah. Uh, suffice it to say, it ain't going to be in continuity. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but it does, you know, it sounds fun. And and I, I love that there's a Lego series that is actively, like, with, with that plot background, um, actively encouraging kids to not build the recognizable ships from the Star Wars universe, but instead to mash them all up yeah. as as you're supposed to do with Legos. But, you know, I don't necessarily know if with with as much branded content as they have now, if that's as appealing as building you know, what you see on screen. I'm sure it is. Mm-hmm. Now, now on to Rebels. Oh, my God, Rebels, you guys. If you if you started watching the first season, you're like, I don't know, it's a kid's show, it's fine, Dude, yeah, whatever. stick with it, Holy man. shit. Yeah. It's like Avatar The Last Airbender, where the first season was like, oh, let's just establish the world, except even a little bit bumpier, perhaps, because Rebels had a really rushed production. But, oh, my God, season two, nonstop, some of the best Star Wars anything I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I I don't I every time we talk about rebels, I always bring up like, oh, I don't know. I mean, it is getting better, but you know, it's like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, but it never does. It just gets better, and uh, yeah, man. Like I remember watching the pilot and just thinking, this is okay, but it's mostly for 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 kids and families. But you know, it's it's good. I like it. It was it was unoffensive, but man, they 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 keep stepping it up like this. And uh, before we go into spoiler territory, I'm just like. Dude, I don't know. Like, it's it's I'm so, like real consequences are going to be happening here, and uh, I, I I don't know. I feel like I've been missing out because I'm not 100 percent up to date. I'm like I'm like just a couple episodes behind, but man, serious stuff is going down. Mm-hmm. And and we come to you on the cusp of the two part season finale, which is uh, it's called Twilight of the Apprentice, and we're going to see some serious shit. I. <laughs> I can't wait. Just to give you a brief summary of what's happened so far, without spoilers, we've seen Princess Leia. We've seen the return of Darth Vader and Yoda in the show um, without violating any continuity whatsoever. Sabine's father from Clone Wars was featured in it, and there's an incredible trailer for the second half of the season that will give you chills. We'll link to it on this episode's page. Um, Ezra is a true force to be reckoned with, and his relationship with Kanan is everything we ever wanted in all of our dreams prior to the prequels even coming out from Anakin and Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. It's so good. So I'll leave it at that. And then we're going to open the blast doors. If you're leaving us now, thanks so much for listening. And um, we'll catch you later. Don't forget to come back to these episodes when uh, you feel it's safe. <laughs> Here we go. Open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. All right, guys. Oh, my God. So we haven't seen this Rebels episode yet, but there's so much happening. First of all, it's got Darth Maul in it, mm-hmm. as, as presented as an old master. And in this, this, one, this one episode that had Vader, like James Earl Jones Vader, Frank Oz Yoda, and the return of the uh, Inquisitor as a Force ghost, showing that he was one of the guards for the, um, the Jedi Temple in Coruscant... Uh, Yoda tells Ezra that they must find the planet Malachor. <laughs> now, Which, yeah, I'm, you know, it's just shiver inducing if, if you're familiar with Malachor at all from its use in Knights of the Republic 2. 
Yeah, this is a big deal because Knights of the Old Republic is a beloved, beloved piece of the Star Wars universe that is probably not in canon anymore. But here they are acknowledging a part of it, and we're going to get to see how far they're going because in this episode that will be out by the time you're listening to this, um, they go there, and that's where all the shit goes down, not just with Darth Maul, with a cross-guard lightsaber, um, with potentially Ezra's turn to the dark side. We've seen him grow in his uh, in his force powers, in his um, discontentment, in his exploration of his connection with animals through the force, as his kind of like innate sort of force stylings of him as a person. Some guilt about his parents and stuff. Yeah. It's it's been amazing to give you a perspective on Malachor if you're not familiar because I I haven't played Night Steel Republic but these guys have kept me pretty abreast on uh, on how things went down. Here's here's an excerpt from Wikipedia that can give you the uh, the, the nature of it. In an instant, Malachor's gravity crushed every combatant in and around its atmosphere, Mandalorian Republic and Jedi alike. Malachor's surface was transformed into a barren, shattered, and lifeless wasteland. All of Darth Revan's enemies were eliminated in a single stroke. The planet was left scarred from the battle as the surface had been obliterated. Apparently they're going to maybe a Sith temple on Malachor. Um, and Which I, I, I... They may not call it the Sith Academy that it was in Nice Republic 2, but like I'm just like... it Just give me some... some enough to give me some headcanon. You know, that that... that that's where the connection is. That's what I'm hoping out of the finale. Yeah, man. Whew. I, I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And I cannot wait to talk about it after we've seen it in the next episode of State of the Empire. Um, the, the only canonical use of Malachor uh, up to this point was in Clone Wars uh, as a passing comment where a character says, there's no way in Malachor I'm going to lead this pitiful squad on assault of that landing zone. And um, and then the only other time after that was very recently in the Force Awakens visual dictionary, which led us into the background on Kylo Saber, which says the design is thousands of years old and that it dates back to the Scourge of Malachor. Hmm. And that exact phrase, Scourge of Malachor, is not a known thing. So we're about to find out what the hell happened. I'm telling you that it it it. It lines up so well. You have like connections, the Force Awakens. You have like the the, the not so hidden use of Darth Maul on Malachor that they've been showing in all the previews. Like they just released a bunch of promo shots, and they just have like Darth Maul, like you know, with with his hood down, like it's straight up him. Dave Filoni said, uh, "I wanted to put a nod to this new history we're seeing in the Force Awakens. It's important to have these links between stories in major ways and subtle ways. Here you'll find a sword we've encountered before." And it gives a little more context to something that turns up later. And I don't know how to necessarily interpret that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like you were saying before, like the, the synergy, which I hate that word, but you know, <laughs> I can't think of a better word for it at, at this point in time. But the thought that's put into connecting all this stuff together. Do you guys think that it's just like a really big Google Doc somewhere? Like, you know, like, <laughs> like I don't know. How, how do you organize such a thing? Really? Like, like how do you keep track of all of this stuff and yeah. know that like it's that, that it's a timeline and that we're going to have you know a uh, cross cross saber here but yet it's going to show up here and connect to this and maybe connect to ancient sith stuff so we have to have an ancient sith temple well, where's there been a sith temple maybe on this planet it's well, it's crazy and, and, and i want to know the order like what did rebels did, i mean it, like i imagine because the clone wars production cycle was like they were writing episodes like two to three seasons ahead 
of wherever they were like about to release, you know, because right. it was just such a process of animating and everything. So it makes me wonder, like, so at some point they decided to either like, you know, they're going to Malachor and they're going to find the cross guard saber. So like at what point in the process does someone like when they're making the force awakens art book, do they say, Oh, throw in this tidbit, or is this something that's much more formal than that? You know, like they spent a, you know, a lot of, you know, pre-publicity stuff talking about Kylo Ren saying, oh, he's not Sith, he's something else. But then, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, he found himself a crossguard saver on on Malachor, but now they're like, well, this is actually a, a Sith temple world. So yeah, it's like, like, like it's is, a known thing or something. And, and in the clip on EW, Ezra's like, says to Darth Maul, so you're a Sith. And he's like, no, nah, everybody left me. It all, it, it all, everything betrayed me. Like, I'm my own guy. So if Darth Maul isn't the, like, the, the fucking beginning of the Knights of Ren, I don't know what he, what, I mean, I think that's what's happening. Granted, by the time you hear this, it could already be disproven, but I. And, and, and also I thought Abrams, didn't Abrams say that the, the Knights of Ren are something much older, or that was a rumor that was later, I, I re- thought I remember seeing that the Knights of Ren were something that had been around since, like, the Jedi and Sith had been doing their thing as well. I just want old Obi-Wan fighting old Darth Maul. <laughs> Somehow, you got like, to redeem that fight. I mean, they, I know they already had run-ins on the Clone Wars and stuff, but uh, just the fight to end them all, you know? Well, and also, I mean, Obi-Wan might want some uh, some revenge for uh, Darth Maul taking out his uh, his Mandalorian lover. Mm-hmm. So that would be that would be a nice little grudge match. It actually, uh, I feel like they're at like one one, and they need to like settle it for good. Yeah, <laughs> and it was actually Filoni was very direct. He was talking about uh, trying not to make Maul's return like pure fan service by like, I mean, this opportunity for to finally settle the Vader Maul fight in video form. You know, the comics, the old expanded universe, they did like there was like a Darth Maul hologram or some bullshit like that, and it's like no, 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 this is like you could have Vader Maul, but. Filoni was like, well, when is it just fan service? And like, there's a more, he actually said there's a more intimate story with Ahsoka and Vader. And like the previews they put out are, are you know, some of the, the promotional stuff is like, like Filoni tweeted um, uh, today, a picture of a Vader and Ahsoka action figures, uh, like facing off against each other. And he said, our long awaited meeting has come at last. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm I'm stealing this one from some like very observant users on Reddit, but they they put up on on Clone Wars or they put from the Clone Wars movie. It was Ahsoka and Captain Rex meeting for the first time, and they have a conversation about which one ranks higher because you know he's Captain Rex, but Ahsoka's a, a Padawan. So like, who outranks who? And and Rex says experience outranks everything, and then they're conversation in rebels on a most recent episode when ahsoka is leaving presumably to go find malachor is they have that essentially that same conversation about rex saying you can't order me along anymore and then they they echo the experience outranks everything like so they may have bookended their first conversation and last conversation so i i I think this is it i think she's dead i think she's gonna die holy shit what they really so they do all this just to bring her back for the one season i mean does that feel like a sufficient arc for her does that feel like a sufficient Um, send-off it it, it's like if she had spent a little more time talking to kanan and ezra this season i would have felt a little more satisfied but i to me it, it it feels like a really good arc 
with for Clone Wars, not necessarily a, a satisfying arc for Rebels. But it, I, I don't, not necessarily that I think that was bad storytelling. I just think it, Rebels by itself doesn't feel like a a satisfying arc for Ahsoka. Why don't Why don't you share your theory, Matt, on uh, on how you think, or what the most awesome way for th- season three of Rebels to go down would be? So yeah, I, I think Maul is going to successfully, or I think he should successfully present his case to Ezra to to turn dark. And I think you know some a dramatic event such as Ahsoka sacrificing herself to Vader or some something along that line should happen. And then you just you end the episode with a cliffhanger and with rogue one coming out in December, I think when rebels returns in September for season three, it should focus on Hera and Sabine and, and uh, Zeb and the, the rebels formalizing a real rebellion. And maybe you can tie in some of the, the, the veteran rebel characters that will appear in rogue one. I mean, the word is there's going to be some definite rogue one crossover, right? Yeah. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, they, they've apparently been working alongside the Rogue One writers, but I don't think you bring back the Jedi characters until after Rogue One's been released. So that, like, then you make the big, like, reveal in 2017, and now here's Dark Ezra. And, you know, like, Kanan as a, as a, a shattered, you know, Jedi who, you know, lost his apprentice, and that Ahsoka's gone. And basically, you know, the, they're in the most dire situation they could possibly be. And, and potentially this, you know, with the whole, like, five years uh before a new hope that the series begins now we're at four years before and then presumably at this point we'll be at like the halfway point and it should feel dire you know you should have the empire strikes back feeling that like the empire is going to win and i think the best way to do that would be to hold the reveal of what happened to ezra and the jedi on malachor yeah i would be if they do that Holy shit, like that would be such a ballsy move. See, I often find myself saying, I don't know, it sounds a little too dark. And then every time they show a new preview, I'm like, that's freaking dark. Like it's it's just <laughs> they keep moving, they keep stepping to that direction of, of getting the, darker and darker. That most recent episode, I it, it which was the uh mystery of Chopper Base, I mean, they really pulled out the 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 Anakin death version of the Imperial March, you know, just kind of the somber version of of the Vader theme it, at very odd points with Ezra gazing off into the stars. And like, it's just they must be doing something really. There was some foreshadowing in there that didn't even feel appropriate. So it makes me think that I don't even know what's coming. Yeah. Also important to note, one of the promotional photos for the episode does feature three Inquisitors. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so that's that's something cool and exciting to look forward to. That the 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 fan theory, or it may not even be a fan theory, it might have been something that was revealed somewhere else that I wasn't able to research because I just came across it today, is that this is an inquisitor that's been hunting for Maul. Oh. Which is which is a cool idea <laughs> yeah. that they're not just for hunting down Jedi, they're for hunting down all force users that stand a threat to the Sith. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, here's something for season three of Rebels. This comes from makingstarwars.net. They posted a rumor a while back that in season three, we're going to see Grand Admiral Thrawn. <laughs> can, can you fucking believe that? Uh, no. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> here's the guy said. He said he'll be, he'll be the, tactical de- the tactical genius of uh, capital starship warfare from the books, but pitting his skills against the fledgling rebellion. Uh, Ezra will get a redesign, short hair, and a new lightsaber with a more classical design. 
And the reporter said, in all my time of writing about Star Wars, this is the first time I have ever had anything halfway credible about Thrawn and a new life for the character come my way. I believe this is likely happening, but until it does, consider it a rumor, but a rumor with some weight to it. Thrawn would be a great antagonist for that show. I mean, because mm-hmm. the, the Sith bad guys are always cool in their own way, but I, I feel like it's getting oversaturated with Force users. I, man, I don't know. That'd be really, really cool. Let's go to Rogue One, guys. Okay, so Darth Vader. Darth Vader is in this movie. Uh, we, we mentioned it before, but it's been even more finalized that they have made what's being called the Darth Vader Dream Team assembled for Rogue One. His New Hope era costume has been meticulously recreated by Brian Muir and his team. James Earl Jones is back to voice. And See, can... I, actually find, I actually find that to be almost damning in this thing, uh, this idea, because his Empire and Return of the Jedi costumes were so much better and more polished than his New Hope version. But that was just the, the one takeaway I had from that. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't mean it's still got all the, the little kinks and nicks out of the helmet. It just means it's that pattern you know it's that it's gonna tie in that's gonna be identical but not like shitty you know well i'm I'm surprised just because the more the more iconic version is the the empire and jedi like more like it's it's like a bigger suit and it's it's shinier like i don't know why they would meticulously recreate the new hope one make it feel like it matches i guess yeah i mean if you watch it back to back like the idea if you watch rogue one then you pop in a new hope it's like all right he's looking for the i I just find i just find the, the empire one to be much more aesthetically pleasing well, and, it was and, also and formidable. Well, it was also symmetrical, more symmetrical, rather. You know, like it, yeah. instead of being all hand carved out. And I feel mm-hmm. like um, we we've mentioned this before, but I I feel when this trailer drops, like you know, Vader's going to be there. It's going to be incredible. And I, and I saw this mentioned somewhere else. Like it, it, his presence here echoes Vader's famous quote from A New Hope: "There'll be no one to stop us this time." Hmm. Mm. I, I want to, I, I, I want them to I, limit I, Vader I, in the trailer. Just just don't. Have him breathe, have a silhouette, but man, just keep it, man. Just keep it for the movie because people will lose their shit. No, I, I think I think you'll get in the trailer at the end. You'll see a really cool movie that looks really, really great and promising. Yeah, and then. And then, and then you'll, you know, turn around the corner and you just hear the, and I think it'll go to block before you hear the lightsaber turn on, of but course, you'll hear yeah. the breathing. Yeah. And then it comes back and, you know, whatever. And then everybody goes nuts and, I, you know, that then I think people will have the sort of episode seven buzz for Rogue One. I just don't think a lot of people have put together like, oh, yeah. I think like right now they just think Rogue One is about just filling in that like rebel starships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory. And then the yeah. whole like no one stop us this time. But yeah. I don't think people realize what that means. That means Vader's in this movie. Like yeah. that should be a big deal. And Grand Moff Tarkin. I, I hope so. I think they they – They've convinced me that they can do some cool things with the uh, like face technology to, you well, know, they obviously. I mean, but I don't. We, know if we had that suspicious report um, yes. of the of the using the Ant Man technology and and <laughs> checking out the way that uh, Peter Cushing walked in other films to match his the way he mm-hmm. walks in this film because he didn't let them shoot below his waist in Star Wars. Um, I mean, it makes sense if you're doing a movie about stealing the Death Star plans. He's the Grand Moff of the Death Star. How could you not yeah. have him in it in some capacity? And, and the new canon has like reconfirmed his thing that during its construction, he was the overseer of the project. We don't have much information in the in the na- nature of the characters and who the cast are playing, but here's here's the rumors that we have. These also come from making Star Wars. Mads Mikkelsen, 
whose character's name might be Galen, is a scientist that took over the Genosian Death Star project. He solved several of the flaws the Empire could not and is a revered person for his contributions. But he's a Robert Oppenheimer-type character, and he defects to make things right and enlists his daughter, played by Felicity Jones, who's in the Rebellion. Um, early versions of her character had her as a bounty hunter-type mercenary, but it's likely that that has changed. Uh, which is another, by the way, ca- nice little canon tie-in that I don't think people realize probably plays into um, Rogue One, is within days of each other, um, both Rebels and the Darth Vader comic series mentioned a scourge of the entire planet of Geonosis to basically wipe out yes, like most of the that. life on that planet, almost as if they're hiding the project. So I think that may have a like that's a slight hint to, towards Rogue One. Yeah, it's it. So to to elaborate on that, like Genosha was the planet where the the plans came from. You remember from the prequels, um, and it's been mentioned repeatedly in Rebels and the Darth Vader comics that it is a dead planet. It's been carved out, and uh, people were surprised by that in the story. And again, still that is all we know about Rogue One. <laughs> There's nothing more to say. But we do know some more stuff about Episode 8, and this is what we're going to end the show on. We know uh, what the deal is with Laura Dern's character, and here's this is, some, this is some stuff that's been rumored, but I've seen it come from a number of different sources. Um, here's the bullet points. Laura Dern is a leader of the Resistance. Leia's ship is ambushed, ambushed, and she's blasted through space. Leia ends up in a coma, which works out well for you, Matt, since you didn't like her performance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Laura Dern's character then takes over Resistance Command, but manages to make things far worse. With this in mind, Poe takes control of the situation and becomes the interim leader of the Resistance. In regards to the way that Dern is portrayed, we are meant to not be sure if she is good or bad. So we have all that. And then we have the planet uh, filmed in Croatia, which is either... Uh, it, could, it could be a casino... Uh, we've heard maybe it's Corellia. There was a, a rumor that I don't particularly believe at all that it's Han Solo's funeral. Nah, nah. I don't believe it. I would say mo- most most of the uh, uh, wardrobe on the aliens has been all black. I I my My personal theory, which I have nothing to back it up other than my random speculation, is that this seemed to me a lot like a uh, First Order planet. Like we Like if they're going to be going into the lion's den, you know? Like if they need to do something, and this is a planet that if this is definitely a lot of rich people here, sort of the one percent, uh, you know, um, uh, supporters of the first order, and if they're and if you have to go in there steal something or if you got to break someone out, it would just I don't know. It kind of, it made visually it made a little bit more sense to me if I frame it into the context of we haven't seen a first order bad guy planet yet other than Starkiller base but you know what i'm saying like the 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 average civilians who would support the first order what would that planet um, look like i say based on the, like the there was also some leaks of of i mean i like the idea but the, the, there was the uh, the soldiers like you know they had some sort of military dress uniform that was like kind of you know black it, it looked more like old style rebel soldiers but it was like a black uniform instead mm-hmm. of like the blue beige kind of thing so I feel like it's just like a local police force and we haven't Could seen be. any stormtroopers. We haven't seen any anything like that yet. So I, I don't know if that's the case. I feel like this is this like 
a different take on the scum and villainy concept where it's like, oh, you know, the high class edition of it. Like, you know, any sort of like spy movie that goes to like the opera or actually right. the, the opera was in Revenge of the Sith. And that was actually pro- possibly one of the like aesthetically most pleasing parts of that movie was was the opera scene and used to good effect. And I feel like they're showing us a, a different, much more stark take on things that exist in the universe. I don't know what the why they're there. But the rumors it's Luke and Ray, but I've seen stunt doubles that look like Poe, and actually might or not Poe, I'm sorry, Finn, and actually may have just been John Boyega himself, which concerns me because I really wanted Ray and Finn to spend less time together because I think it's very it would be very brave to do the Empire thing, and like while yes it would be repeating the Empire Strikes Back like kind of story flow, I think nowadays you don't keep main characters separate for very long anymore. Like I think Empire Strikes Back is very unique in that regard. It's kind of like Two Towers, the old, you know, way Tolkien, you know, broke up those two books or that that particular book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think you see that in movies nowadays. And um, it'd be cool if they did that again. And it, it makes you feel more dangerous. Like if the characters are separate, mm-hmm. then you're like, well, who's going to save them? If it's Luke and Ray and say Finn and Poe or even like Finn and Poe, but then they get separated into to a further splinter as Poe is dealing with that stuff with uh, with Laura Dern's character. That's heavy. And and you're right. I do want to see that. I want to see I want to see what happens when when to give Ray the opportunity to really bond with Luke by virtue of them not being able to get back to their friends because shit goes down. Yeah, and and like it puts characters on separate journeys, which is always very interesting. You know, it, it they don't have to you know follow the same path. And also, do we think that Poe and Ray ever said hi to each other when they were on um, at the at the Resistance base before Ray left, or is there a possibility that the characters have not met each other yet? Uh, well, it depends on whether or not you believe in the the canonicity of the deleted scenes. Because uh, we're getting one called Finn Will Be Fine, and I think that probably settles that. Interesting. Huh. Okay. You know, uh, could be interesting. You're talking about, like, parallels to Empire. Could it be that uh, Ray and Luke are doing their training, and she catches a vision of her friends in trouble on another planet? and then <laughs> And then she's like, I got to go save them. And Luke is like... You know, I was once in a situation like that, and my master told me um, that if you go, you know, you'll be in trouble. Goes, are you telling me not to? Are you telling me to stay here and finish training, not to leave? He goes, no, I'm saying I'm going with you, and we're going to kick some ass. <laughs> like he just completely <laughs> show that and, he is and, not that type of Jedi. You know for, that he is like he's further, new. Further proof that it might be a casino that's owned by Lando. <laughs> well, Ooh, well, damn. well. <laughs> and then, and then what they show have up we and, here? And then they show up and they think they can trust Lando. And then all of a sudden, Phasma walks out and he's like, "I'm sorry, she got here right before you." <laughs> and then she's there for Finn because it's you know FN two one eight seven. Your helmet's yeah, still off. <laughs> well, I, I I do think that that's the only way you redeem Phasma's character in this movie is if yeah. you make her obsessed with finding people want her to be the new Boba Fett. Yeah. I, but I think I think it's got to go beyond bounty hunting. I think she needs to have an obsession with yeah. finding him and she'll do a garbage him. shoot. Well, it's, I mean, they've already got the first step right. She's nothing but a punk right now. So uh, yeah. <laughs> damn. Hmm. Um, taking us out, of course, we have a, a nerdy Star Wars track. But first up, a little bit of a of a, of a mention about something cool. Both Mark with a C and Cyfried, nerd musicians who are a part of the Nerdy Show Network and do lots of work with us, they're both discussed in a book on Star Wars called 
Galaxy Here and Now Historical and Cultural Readings of Star Wars. They have a, they have a segment in that. We'll, we'll link to that book in this episode's page. But uh, this involves this track. It's not from either of them. It's something from Kirby Crackle and a track called It Suits You. About, <laughs> nice. About the, uh, <laughs> the fan pairing of Finn and Poe. And uh, so that's it. But hopefully we'll, we'll see you guys sooner than, than we have before in this last break. And um, thank you so much for listening. If you want to keep the conversation going, be sure to hit us up on our Facebook groups, the one with spoilers and the one without. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm Doug. Bye, I'm Matt. We were both afraid and we needed help. You were there for me when I needed out in this galaxy so big and wide. I could be your man. You could be my guy. So take my heart. It suits you. And you can think of me when I think of you. Nothing the two of us cannot do We could be a we If it suits you So much changing at so much cost But in your starry eyes I'm never lost A hunger burns just like X-wing fuel And once it's lit It melts away the rules Take my heart, it suits you And you can think of me When I think of you And there's nothing the two of us cannot do We could be a we If it suits you No use for a name But now I call it love I can fly anything, so let me lift you up If I don't make it back, you should know it was you I was thinking of It was always you So, I take my heart, it suits you And you can think of me when I think of you Nothing the two of us cannot do We could be a we If it suits you I'd sing my heart if it suits you And you can think of me When I think of you Oh, and there's nothing the two of us cannot do We could be a we If it suits you Thanks for listening to State of the Empire, presented by Nerdy Show. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, or like and follow us on SoundCloud. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows in the Nerdy Show network alive, by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. Any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network, and there's even more perks available. 
Just head to patreon.com slash nerdy show. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. And be sure to follow Nerdy Show on all your favorite social networks. If it's geeky, we've got it covered.